Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. I want to hear a few things from you. Give me some answers. What does the Holy Spirit do? Can someone tell me? What does the Holy Spirit do? Okay, leads and guides. Mm, that's cool. I like that. That's good. Yes. Anybody else? What does the Holy Spirit do? Transforms your hearts. I was going to say that. It's good. You, you both get credit in heaven. Correct answer. Everyone who thought that gets a Okay. Yes. Your friend. Mm, befriends you. I like that. Okay. A messenger. He speaks to you. Teaches your What else? What does the Holy Spirit do? Yeah. Okay? Comes and meets you right where you are. Yeah. Ah, so he like kind of targets your life in some ways and gives you picture vision, that, all that kind of stuff. What else? Comforter. Yep. Jesus said, I'm going to send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit, right? He actually said that. Yes. A GPS through life. Recalculating. Idiot. You screwed up again. No, like, right? I mean, yeah. That does help. Yeah? Huh. Changes your life. Okay? Gives you tongues. Like this like angelic prayer language. The ability to speak in things you don't even understand. How many of you need that in science class? Start praying in tongues during your test. See what happens. I don't know. Then you need to know something you don't. What? It has worked, Veronica says. Come on. You just, you know, I mean, if it's, if it's a silent test, do it silently. But you can pray in tongues. In your, it's your spirit that's praying for crying out loud. What else? Holy Spirit. What? Yeah. He, like, helps you understand what is God and what is not. It gives you discernment. Yeah. What else? Okay. Helps you talk to God. Anybody else? How about this? What if I turn the question just a little bit? What did the Holy Spirit do in the Bible? Yeah. Mm. Came in a rushing rain, fire, <laughs> like crazy stuff. Yes. Uh, he was a pillar of fire with Moses that led the Israelites through the desert. Yeah. Filled people up that were empty. Yeah. The burning bush. God spoke through, what was it? Fire. Right? I like, see, everybody's like, ooh. I'm, I'm curious why it seems that when I ask you what does the Holy Spirit do, and this isn't, I don't mean this in any negative fashion, but it seems like most answers are really tame. He, he comforts you and encourages you speaks to you. And, but in the Bible, the Holy Spirit was fire and he was wind and he gave power to drive out demons and everybody's like, but now he just reminds me what's right and wrong. Like, did the Holy Spirit change? Simmer that for a second. Did the Holy Spirit change? Not a bit. God is, he was, he is, he will forever be. 
and he is unchanging and he is faithful and he is so powerful and he's this like roaring lion and yes he comforts you when you need it and yes he empowers you when you feel weak but we've got to get this revelation and reality that the holy spirit did not get neutered when the bible was finished writing (laughs) right josh (laughs) it's like seriously if you know dogs how many of you ever had a dog literally they yeah emily you're a vet okay why do they neuter pets other than reproduction? They neuter them. Okay? If you don't know what neutering is, ask your mom when you get home. Okay? All right? They do this. It's a process to calm animals down. And I honestly believe that the church has taken the Holy Spirit ever since the Bible was like, oh, well, that whole, you know, revelation was pretty tame. Yeah, if you've ever read Revelation, you're like, no, it wasn't. Exactly. But the minute that stopped, suddenly the church went like, Shoop. gentle Holy Spirit. He's just nice. And he just taps on my shoulder and says, no, no, no. How ridiculous is that belief system? And I, I grew up believing that. I did because I was not raised in a church that believed in an active Holy Spirit. Like, I, I, like, we had the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I was like, yeah, he does stuff. Like, but that was it. It was like we had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible in my church. <laughs> Whoops. What about that other one? The one that God, that Jesus promised, and he sent, and he empowered. And I get like, oh, man, it was crazy. Because this, this was wild. I was reading this. Shoot, I have to jump over to Mark. Chapter 6. This whole thing, crazy thing happens. Jesus was walking around doing miracles all over the place. And he had some friends that hung out with him all the time. How many? Twelve disciples that were always like with him, his buddies, you know, his close inner circle, right? He had his clique. I know, churches have always been clicky. All right? Uh Uh-oh. Hey, it just happens. All right? It's not the devil unless you're totally unwilling to look outside yourselves. That's all. That one's for free. I wasn't in my notes or any form of notes. Anyway, um, what is this? He called that he's going around doing miracles in all these towns and villages. And he's really stirring people up. The Jews start really hating him. Josh touched on this too. The Jews were like really ticked at this whole Jesus thing. Why? Because they thought Jesus, they thought the Messiah was supposed to come and like set them free from the Romans and wipe everybody out, establish his kingdom. And the Israelites were going to, you know, the Jews were going to rule and reign over the Romans. And they were going to, you know, all this. That was literally what they had said in their minds. They're like, we're putting God in a box and he needs to show up like this or we won't buy it. And so this little Jesus dude is born in a manger to a couple who have no political pull and they have no crazy, like, um, what's the word? Like, I don't know. They just aren't well-known people. Mary and Joseph, who, like, they're from that town. Like, are you serious? Jesus is born to them. He comes on up, and he's just this, like, dude, you know, hanging out, and he speaks with authority, and he's healing people, and they're all going, that doesn't work. That doesn't fit. We need a king who's going to, like, wipe out the Romans, and Jesus is like, nope, I'm here to wipe out your religious spirits, and he came, and he messed with all this stuff, and so the Jews are all getting, like, fired up, and they're like, we don't like this guy. We don't like this guy. I love this stuff. Then Jesus is going around doing all this stuff. And this is so astonishing to me. And it says, then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. 
Calling the twelve disciples to him, he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them the authority over impure spirits. Jesus did this before he died on the cross, before he was resurrected, before he went away, and before the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. He went to his disciples and said, now you, carry the power. This was normal. This was Moses with the burning bush, and this was all of throughout the Old Testament. God would put his anointing, his Holy Spirit and power on someone for a task, for a purpose, for a reason. Do you understand how the Holy Spirit is here? It was like, oh, this comes, and it's like incredible power. And Moses got to be like, Red Sea, like crazy stuff. The Holy Spirit has always been power and fire and fury everywhere he goes. Wrecks systems and all this kind of stuff. So Moses gets it for a little bit. These disciples get the Holy Spirit for a little bit. But the difference was before the cross, before Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts, the Holy Spirit was never there to stay for good. Does this make sense? He would come upon someone, empower them to do something, and then he'd retreat. So these Israelites had a history of knowing like, oh, this Holy Spirit like comes. There's power of God that comes and goes. And Jesus did it with his disciples. He said, go two by two. And they go out and they're like praying for people and anointing them with oils and people are getting all healed. Like they were like, whoa, people are getting like demons are going. Anyway, it's so nuts. The stuff that Jesus was doing even before the Holy Spirit came to indwell the believers. But Acts 2, Pentecost as we know it, and that's where like Pentecostalism and all that stuff comes from. Pentecost is the moment when, when Jesus had said, I will send you a comforter. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive peace. Is that what it says? Some of you are like, I have no idea what the Bible says. Work on it, people. Come on. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, is it? Nuh-uh. Is it totally better? She took her cast off. Nuh-uh. Like lift it up and whip your wrist around. Nothing? No pain? Come on, Jesus! That's crazy! Oh. That's, that's, I mean, I'm sorry, I meant to say that's sweet. Oh my gosh. I love this. Come on. So the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells upon. When Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power from on high. You will not receive a nice little treat to put in your back pocket. So when you have a struggle, you go, Jesus, what do I do? Holy Spirit, help me. No, it's like, you get wrecked by a presence that is so beyond the powers of this world and it puts you in a different place and position forever. And every day you get access. Everybody's looking over at her. I'm going, what, the hell? what in the world? It's amazing. Anyway, she's like, I just like the sling. It's fashionable. Anyway, <laughs> do you get this? The power of the Holy Spirit upon your life is supposed to change things. It is not supposed to remind you of what Jesus did on the cross. It will do that, but not for the sake of a cute reminder. We get the Looney Tunes cartoon and we're like, there's a demon on this shoulder and the Holy Spirit on this shoulder. And they're like, no, you should do this. Oh, you do this. Like, what a weak and pathetic reality this is. The Holy Spirit, like, put you on like a glove and he's marching around the earth looking for demons to destroy. This is the reality. You shall receive power from on high. Jesus walked in this reality. 
It's crazy. We think of Jesus just like, okay, I'm just doing my thing, like whatever. Jesus grew and learned what this looked like from a young age. I've heard recently on a couple of podcasts this whole reality that I never thought about is that Jesus turned water to wine at a, at, a, at a wedding, right? It was his first public miracle. It actually says first public miracle. I think there's this whole thing he goes in to talk about. I think Jesus was probably turning water to wine all his whole life at home. And that's why Mary was like, hey, Jesus, they ran out of wine. Let's deal with this. Right? This mom, his mom is like, and he's like, mom, it's not my time yet. And she goes to the servants, hey, just do whatever he says. How does she know that he can do anything about it unless he's been doing this for like a long time? Like, hey, Jesus, remember what you did last week? That'd be really cool. He's like, mom, he never sinned, so he obeyed his parents. Just saying, God in the flesh never sinned. Children, obey your parents as a command. So when you don't, it's a sin. I'm sorry. You can be forgiven. But stop abusing it. Anyway. Oh, man. I'm getting so off track. I have no idea where I'm going now. I have thoughts, though. There's this other crazy... I know. It's just power. Come on. I want to inspire you to this reality that it looks different. It looks like casts and slings go like, woohoo in the hallway. Like, you want to see this happen in your hallways of your school? Like, oh, I don't know. What if that doesn't do anything? You will never find out. You will never know. If God Almighty, who put his Holy Spirit in you to empower you, you will never know if he's going to show up if you don't bring him. Because Jesus said, it is better that I go away. I know we all think if Jesus would just come hang out with me at my school for one day, it would be awesome because then everybody would get healed and I'd be popular and it would be so easy. No, Jesus said, it is better for you that I go away so I can send my Holy Spirit to be in you. Because look, you can spread out all over. Jesus could only handle 12 people to take care of. But he said, my Holy Spirit, power. So guess what? Jesus Christ, the fullness of who he is and more, is in you walking down your hall every day with you. Get a grip and get a reality. This is your call. This is your destiny. You don't need a big master plan of the ministry you're going to create or the business you're going to run. Your master call is to carry the presence of God into the place you go. The great commission that Jesus gave is, therefore go into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is not a sermon. The gospel is a reality that you can be set free from your depression. You don't have to cut your wrists anymore because there's someone who loves you and he'll take away your pain. You don't have to take your life. You don't have to go sleep around to feel loved by some guy because your father loves you and he'll take care of you. That's your great call and your great destiny and you can waste it. Jesus is good enough to let you choose. He'll be like, well, I'll be the neutered Holy Spirit in the back pocket if that's all you're going to call me up to be. But he wants you to carry more. He does. And what does it look like? Is the first time you pray for someone to get healed, they're just miracles? Some of you, yes. Some of you, no. How many were here for Todd White last week? He prayed for well over a thousand people before he ever saw a miracle happen. But guess what he never did? Quit. Over a thousand people. And now it's like, 
800 a day or some stupid number. Like every person he prays for gets delivered and healed and crazy stuff. And people pour in by the thousands to hear him tell his story because he knows who he is. And he knows that the Holy Spirit is upon his life. And he's like, you can't touch me, devil. So here's what I want to talk about. Real quick story. I love my favorite one of these like Holy Spirit moments is Jesus is like stirring up this, all, all these people in his hometown. He went there and he's like doing miracles and stuff. And it actually says because the people there were so against him, he could only, he couldn't do as many miracles. It says so because people didn't believe. It's like, ooh, ouch. And it says he only could lay hands on a few people and heal them. I'm like, that's still amazing. Like crazy. But the town came so against him that they actually surrounded him. And it says they drove him out to the edge of the city on the edge of a cliff because they were going to throw him off. How many of you are afraid of that moment at your school? Like, if I speak out about my faith, they will literally drag me to the outside. Guess what? Guess what the power of God can do in you, just like he did in Jesus? Anybody know this story? What did Jesus do? He did. It says he walked through the crowd and went on his way. It's like, what? They're all like, push him, push him. How did that happen? Like, they didn't just step aside. He walked through the crowd. And you can imagine them all go like, maybe we shouldn't have tried that. What if the power and the Spirit of God that is in your life is actually bigger than your greatest fear? Because your greatest fear might be your God if it's bigger than your God. If you're so afraid of being pushed out and made unpopular and being made fun of, then maybe popularity and acceptance is your God and God is just a thing you do on Sunday and Wednesday. Can you be really bold? I'm not afraid on airborne, man. I can prophesy and I can believe and we can pray for the healing. And But man, the God of the rest of my week is, I gotta have people like me, man. Sorry, that hurt. I mean, but here's what I wrote down and then I have a couple things. What I wrote down for tonight, what I wanted to talk about is if you don't know who you are, someone will tell you. Someone will always tell tell you who you are if you don't know so if you walk in we actually did this at a middle school retreat a few years ago in a way in a in a kind of fun creative way we literally said if you're a blank canvas if you walk into your school going like i just just i don't know whatever it's cool yeah like oh yeah maybe i should go party and get drunk with my friends that sounds cool because they'll if you don't know who you are and what you carry somebody's going to stamp it all over your life what you should be and what you think and they will create you to be what they think. And you're likely to go with it because you'll feel accepted and you'll feel like they like you because they say, oh yeah, you should be this. And and wow, we really like you. And they just made you into what they wanted you to be, not who you are. And it destroyed you. And I want to challenge you to understand this great reality that if you believe you're a child of God and that he loves you, he, that his blood was enough and that he sacrificed his life so you could be set free, like free from all the peer pressure. And what if they don't like me? And what if they get mad? And what if they make, like who cares if they don't like you? Because honestly, most of the time when people get somebody who stands up boldly for their faith, 
The only resistance they give is a straight-up level of jealousy. I wish I knew who I was like that, so I hate them. They don't actually dislike you. They just see something that is so rare in our culture and society that they go like, oh, well, (laughs) judgy Christians. But in their heart, they're going, what is that? Do you see this? Do you see what that looks like? To Actually, like our greatest fear oftentimes becomes our greatest opportunity to turn someone else's heart to like, I can know who I am. You know who you are. That's crazy. It's like Andrea was saying, she's recognized around her school. Like your life has something about it that my life doesn't, right? They're saying this to her straight up because she's like, I am taking a stand and I'm a Christian and I'm going to walk this thing out. And if I get made fun of, whatever. But they might make fun of you in a group, but on the side, they're going to come and say, what do you have? Why are you happy? Why aren't you depressed? Why aren't you this, 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 you something about your life? Yes. But it's jealousy that stirs up in their heart that's like, why can't I have that? Why do I feel so broken? And they feel okay. And that's just like, ah. it stirs something in them that they desire. So I challenge you to find out who you are from the only source that that can come from. From God and his word is the only place you will ever find your identity. And if you don't start there, you're going to get a whole laundry list of identities stamped on top of you that you've then got to break down and dismantle before God can speak the new truth. Like Tiff was saying, I was like, no way, we didn't even talk about this. And she's like, given my whole message after worship, it's just like, if you don't know who you are, you're just going to get like all kinds of identities stuck on you. And then you go like, I don't even know who I am. And I'm trying to be all these things. And now I'm just really tired. Anybody feel that ever? I sure have. Like, oh, I'm just trying to please and impress and keep people happy and this and that. And I don't want to say this because it might hurt their feelings. And like, I just shut myself down to this place of like, who am I in the first place? So I want to go over this cool little list that we made years ago. And I like it. It says, I'm a citizen of heaven. How many of you know this is true? You're a citizen of heaven. Guess what? You know what that says? You belong. So stop trying to belong to a kingdom that you don't belong to and you're not supposed to seriously we shut we do so much grasping for identity to belong to something there's that group at school there's this thing there's this that i gotta belong to that and i gotta contort who i am to fit in and to be there guess what you belong to a kingdom that is greater than anything here hallelujah i'm protected by god and the evil one can't touch me That's from my days. Anyway, fourth grade, I think that song came out. Anyway, it's really old. You're protected by God. Do you believe this? Do you believe you're protected by God to the extent that you could walk through the crowd that's trying to throw you off a cliff? Uh, Wow. That's like a certain degree of faith that is required. That's like, okay, put a gun to my head. I bet it won't go off. That's not ridiculous faith. That is not absurd faith. It happens probably monthly around the world that believers have guns held to their head. Click, 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 click. Impossible to kill them because they are like, you can't touch me. You don't believe this? Like, what's his name? Oh, gosh, who was it that came down here? Robert Battle. 
spoke a couple years down here. He's the guy that goes here to this church. Tried to take his own life a number of times. Gun jammed like every time. Click, 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 click. <laughs> okay, God, what do you want? <laughs> like literally before he was saved, like the power of God to capture and protect your life according to his will is so bigger than, oh, what if they laugh at me? Oh my gosh, what if we actually believed way beyond that? Like, I don't care if they laugh at me. Try shooting me. <laughs> that Tony Brazelton that spoke last year at this conference, he had this whole story. This guy came out all enraged at him with a shotgun at like, I don't know, me to David. Boom! Missed him with every pellet. It actually went off and it missed him. <laughs> like, shotguns go, <laughs> it's like a big spread. It's crazy. That's awesome stuff. I'm chosen by God. How many of you know you're chosen? Half of you. The other half of you, you're chosen. God picked you. You're sitting in this room tonight hearing the truth of God's Word and the power He has for your life. That's so good. You're a child of light. Darkness can't defeat you. Okay? Do you know this? This is huge. Pay really close attention to this. I forget where it says it in the Bible, but it says, the increase of God's government and His peace is without end. So everybody's looking. They're like, well, the world is going crazy and all this bad stuff. And it's like, like, yes, guess what? When you're being attacked and you know you're about to lose, you freak out and you panic. Am I right? It's like natural flight or fight or fight, like reaction, response. If someone pins you to the ground and holds you under the water in the pool, at a certain point, you're like, I need a breath. You will kill them to get out of the water. Am I right? The devil is feeling the imminence of his destruction right now. So yes, he's going, I'm like freaking out in the earth. And you're seeing that. But guess what? That doesn't mean that the increase of God's kingdom flattens out and goes down because the devil's fighting so hard. God's just like, are you kidding me? Yes, the devil's going like, you know, like if, I don't know, I picture like a three-year-old fighting a 12-year-old. The 12-year-old is not going to be like, if the three-year-old like, I mean, that's sad to think about. I don't know, right. But if the three-year-old's getting totally beat up, they're going to go ballistic. And the 12-year-old's going to be like, seriously? You know, like that's, I'm serious. God is not going like, oh no, he's reacting. What do I do? God is going like, oh my gosh, you're like a child. The enemy is not overtaking. Darkness is not taking over light. You are light where you go. So you determine the amount of light you expose. And when light enters a room, it's not dark anymore. You come to the Christmas Eve service here? Yeah? It's a dark room and suddenly a candle lights. Guess what? The room is no longer completely dark. Darkness just lost because one candle lit. It's a crazy prophetic picture. And then it spreads. By the end, you can't tell if the lights are on or off in the room because everybody's got a little tiny flame. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is not a little tiny flame in your life. So guess what? If you ignite in your dark school, it will not be dark anymore. Let him burn. So good. Anyway, what else do I need to do? I win because God wins. Guess what? If you read the end of the book, we win. So stop freaking out. Okay? I'm so serious. Read the end of the book. It's, It's like right there, black and white devil loses. We win. Why are we so panicked? This doesn't make sense. I'm invited to live like Jesus. That's something. Jesus said, you will do greater things than these. Greater. So like 
What did the Holy Spirit do in the Bible? Jesus said it, yours will be greater, not neutered. Again, ask your mom. All right. God lives in me. We talked about that. The Holy Spirit is in you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power from on high. That's a great and powerful reality. So stand up really quick. If you haven't figured this out, this is about identity. Okay? This is all about identity. Why was Jesus so powerful? Why? Because he knew exactly who he was and he told everybody. He told the guys that wanted to kill him, I am the son of God and God sent me and you can't mess with me. And they were like, you can't say that. We're going to kill you. And he's like, I'll walk through you. I know who I am. I'm seriously not freaked out. I wrote the book. He wrote the book. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And you can know exactly what is going to happen. God will come through on your behalf. The more you let your light shine, the more authority God gets to, ex- to exhibit in your life. If you live it all closed up, hide it under a bushel. You know, like, you know what I mean? That song's totally wrong. This little light of mine. No, you don't have a little light. You don't have a mini Holy Spirit. You don't have a neutered Holy Spirit. You have the power of the Almighty God within you always. So don't act like you're like, oh, I don't know. What's my little light going to do? It blows a room to pieces. When you just say, nope, I'm not hiding it. Does this make sense? Come on. I just want to break off the fear of rejection on every person in this room tonight. Can you put your hands out? I think everybody has a little ounce of this. A fear that I'm going to get rejected by friends, family, people, leaders, pastors, somebody's going to reject me if I let them know who I really have been. But guess what? Jesus is saying, that's not who you are. And I want to declare that over you tonight. What you think you've done that's made you so defiled and so unworthy of this Holy Spirit we talk about, I break it off in Jesus' name. I break off the lie that you are too, have done too much or walked too far or gotten all messed up. You are cleansed and you are clean because the blood of Jesus is enough. And you can't ruin this thing. So in the name of Jesus, I break off the fear of rejection off of every heart in this place, God. That they would boldly stand and know that they are accepted and they belong to you. And Jesus, I pray boldness would wash over this group. That schools would in fact be transformed. Not by pastors, but by students who carry the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of your love for every person in their school. God, you have so much love and you are not stingy with it. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Have a really awesome week. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.